was thinking about something, guys. I was thinking about how much time you can waste doing something that you think you deserve to do. Oof. The other night, I was three episodes in on my fourth watch through of Breaking Bad. Mm. And I was convinced that I was doing it because, you know that thing you always say when when you watch a show for the second time or a movie, you know that thing people say like, oh, I caught so many things I didn't catch the first time. Uh, is that a thing people say? Yeah, like... Okay. You know, like Shutter Island with Leonardo DiCaprio. You're like, oh, you got to watch it a second time because you see all these things you you didn't notice the first time you mm. watched it. And like okay. four times through Breaking Bad. Is there something I'm going to pick up on that I didn't pick up on before? Okay. Anyways, sure. I was using that as an excuse to spend over three hours watching Netflix at night. <laughs> and I started to think about this. Nah, this was Nick's idea. I can't take credit for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was I was gonna say what what made you think you deserved it just because you felt like you would find something new. No, nah, I just I mean I told myself I had worked really hard and mm. you know Jake, you and I were talking about this earlier today. You know, by the time you get done with work, you feel like you're racing the clock before you're ready for bed to get things done. You know, right. And for a lot of us, I think it's the stuff we want to do, even if it's things like this, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, like you guys know, Wednesday is one of the days during the week where I usually skip a workout so that I feel like I have a little bit of time to like eat dinner and right. But then I told you guys today, I, you just I, needed it. I needed it. Yeah. Well, yeah. A lot of people don't know that we've been trying to plan a hangout for like three weeks. And mm-hmm. I, I, no, I don't mean three weeks. I mean like three times we've tried to, and just over different circumstances have caused us to have to not, we can't get yeah. together. And so we were planning on getting together this weekend, but things can't. happen. So it's like, you know what? I needed I needed to run. I just needed to go out there and decompress. Take your pants off and just run in the cornfields with But this is an interesting thought. <laughs> okay. Working okay, out. Yeah. Working out. Do you who is that for? I'm asking mm. I'm asking for you guys. Cause yeah. I, I can say for me, when I run it's for me. Yeah. Um, when I w- work out with weights, I kind of have another thing in mind. Like I want to be attractive or be fit and mm. look fit. But running, I mean, getting skinny is not a goal for me. It's just like, I don't want to just be a skinny guy. It's for my brain, you you know. Yeah, you don't run for the health of it. You run for the the release of it. Yeah. Yes, 100%. That's a good question. That's a thing that I think about. I think about that a lot when it gets to a point where I feel like it's one of my 
point, like it's something that's bringing me anxiety, you know, where working out is something that's stressing me out. And I wonder why, why am I doing this? If it's causing me so much tension in my well-being. Um, I think most of the time it's for me. And I think I, I always kind of, I, I always say that my like health and fitness goals are for the purpose of, um, keeping my mind strong. Um, like setting out to accomplish a goal and being able to achieve that goal and establishing a routine of non-negotiables kind of, I think is a good exercise just for making sure you don't become lazy. Um, but the times that like I get really worked up and like beat myself up and stuff about it, like if I feel like I'm not getting jacked enough or not, um, you know, as strong as I wish I was or whatever. I, I always kind of have these existential thoughts as well of like, well, why, who is it? Who's it for? Is it so that that douche bro across the gym will look at me and be like, wow, I wish I looked like that guy. Cause so, I have a girlfriend, you know, I'm yeah, not trying to, you're, you're set. I'm not trying to wrangle any, any women at this point in my life right now. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it is kind of an interesting thing. I, I always tell myself and tell other people it's it's just for me, but I think anybody who works out like I do, which is mostly, you know, bodybuilding type mm -hmm. stuff is mm -hmm. there's some level of vanity to it. Yeah. Like regard regardless of I think everybody can admit that and if you can't you're probably lying to yourself, but Yeah, well, since we're all living in a simulation anyways, um, oh yes, we're basically customizing our character, right? In a way, yeah. It's just such a long process that it's almost not worth it. <laughs> yeah, it's not like you the know, video it, game where you can just it, pop in the menu and change your appearance. It very quickly becomes not worth it if it yeah. if that's like I don't know if you have other things in your life going on and you're fixated on this one thing of like having the biggest arms in the room all the time. So do you I mean, feel like when you're at the gym, do you feel like your time there, which I'm sure your time after you leave is very different. It's probably very good for you, like that mm -hmm. you did it, right? But mm -hmm. do you feel like while you're there, you are frustrated? Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the times that I'm frustrated there, the rest of my day reflects that. Yeah. But the times that I like I'm in a good headspace there and I'm, and I'm getting what I need personally out of it. Then the rest of my day reflects that as well. So it's kind of this, like I have to be pretty careful about making sure what kind of headspace I'm in, uh, when I go basically anything I do. <laughs> so do you guys know more about this than I do the whole, the endorphins thing? That's the right chemical, right? I texted you guys about that earlier, but <laughs> Yeah, endorphins. I, I don't know. It's a, it's a fickle mistress, I think. People always talk about like how running is such a release, but it like makes me want to die. Yeah, so, no, I, I think I get that. I think there's, I've heard some kind of more famous runners and talk about how the runner's high is, a, is not a thing. Yeah. How it's actually just you've done it so many times in a row that you sort of go numb to the fact that you're running, mm -hmm. which I think would be with anything, right? You know, after I got right. up for work at 
seven o'clock every morning since June. I get up at six fifty with or without an alarm, you know. So it's like right. I don't want to get up. I, I could still sleep, you know. But <laughs> right. I think for me running, I tend to have this sense of euphoria after. I think it's mm. like the one time during the day where I allow myself to just think and you know, I, I don't like to listen to music or anything because, because I get, I get stressed out listening to music because I'm analyzing it. So mm -hmm. this is like the one time, you know, when I'm at work or when I'm driving for Talbot Brothers, when we're on the road, I'm always listening to something. So this is like mm -hmm. that one time where it's like just me and my thoughts. And sometimes like if I'm on a longer run, like 40 minutes into it, I'm like, I'm a pretty twisted dude. Like yeah, for running stuff, 40 minutes. Well, not even that, but just even <laughs> like the stuff I start to think is like, why yeah. am, why have I not worked this out? Like in, mm. in my day and dealt with this. And um, I mean, Nick, Nick is like, obviously we spend a lot of time together on the road and Nick is one of those guys that's like, if he doesn't get his workout in, he's a little bit of a bear, you know? Yeah. I just want to like it. rip everything apart. <laughs> I think it's because you talked about stress and like euphoria, but I think, you know, like the endorphins are supposed to relieve stress and pain. And I think if you carry a lot of stress and pain, for the most part, if you don't have that release, then it just like builds up and keeps building up and then suddenly you just explode or implode and like I feel that mm. way a lot on tour just because there's so much sitting and like just feeling of like everything you're dealing with you're not really able to like move and like you talked about running you're not able to like do something active to work it out um and that's for me, like that's a hard thing when I don't have that. So I definitely get what you what you mean by that. But it's like a drug sort of. Like you're mm. especially in the routine, like I don't know about you guys, but I feel like once I get back into a workout routine or a routine of any kind, like you were talking about even waking up earlier, you just you start to crave it. And if something feels wrong if you don't do that. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. a day like that you sleep in till ten or noon after yeah. waking up at seven every day you're like you just feel off totally even if even if you need it like even if you need a rest it just feels <clears> weird <throat> and that's how i feel like yeah with working out i feel off or just like something's missing uh which is really weird because when you're exhausted like you probably should be resting but mm. it does affect my mood for sure i i get I just get pissed off at everything for no reason. Yeah. And then I eat and I'm like, oh, I'm good. Or I like <laughs> yeah. do, some, do some bicep curls. Oh, the world is not on fire right now. I think I'll be all right. <laughs> any, any world where bicep curls exist is a good world. Right? Because apparently that it's is the most important lift, you know. It's definitely the most important. Yeah, I get that same way. I get very irritable if I... If I don't get my, uh, get my fix, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah. yeah. There's this one guy at work that 
He's in his 50s, late 50s. And uh, he's been there, I think, for about 20 years. And just just today, right when we were getting ready to leave, he said, um, you know, I know if we, we've talked about routines before, but, but this is kind of something different. Um, you know, if we're talking about hindering our success, you know, one of the things he talked about was he gets up every morning, he goes to work about 30 minutes before all of us. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, just that, at seven o'clock instead yeah. of seven thirty. And one of he's guys. kind of one of the guys that stays till six instead of five, you know. And uh, I know he's got a daughter in college and two more that are grown. So I know he's just trying to make money, you know, to. Yeah. But he said every morning he gets up at six, an hour before he goes to work, he said, you have a cup of coffee, watches a little bit of the news, makes a egg every once in a while or a smoothie. And he said if there, the other morning his phone died and his alarm didn't go off. And he heard his neighbor's truck start mm. when he was laying in bed, and he was like, "Oh man, he's he's leaving early because my alarm hasn't gone off yet." And then he like yeah. went and looked at the clock, and he was like, "Oh!" And he said he had the worst day. You yeah, know? and I I think, you know, it it kind of makes me think of this thing that uh, that my wife Chelsea said. Um, she had a coach in college. Um that was always talking about the idea of setting your future self up for success and, uh, you know, doing all, doing all these things so that the future you will feel more ready or taken care of. And I guess I always think about that Mm. with like my coworker, you know, he's setting himself up for that like three o'clock feeling. Right. That day, you know, you, you if you get that good breakfast or whatever, or that good start, then y- you, it's hard to think that way because you, you always tell yourself, well, if I just had a little more sleep, you know, Jake, I remember we were talking about this. I said, well, what if I got up at seven instead of 7.15 right. and zombie pulled my jeans on and, you know, went to work? What if mm-hmm. I took a little bit of time and just... And it, it has, you said that you've been doing it for like well, um, a couple yeah. weeks now, right? <clears throat> I, I've been trying to be more intentional about like not being a piece of shit and hitting snooze <laughs> 10 times. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I think um, like the, the concept of sloth is probably my biggest vice. Mm-hmm. Um just like this constant feeling of just wanting to relax or just yeah. wanting to like, you know, but honestly hitting snooze 10 times doesn't get me any more rest. It just no. pisses me off. Yeah. So like either get up at seven when the alarm goes off the first time or set it for eight and get your hours of sleep. Like stop trying to fool yourself that you're just getting five or 10 more minutes. That's a good way of putting that. So yeah, I've been, I've been trying to do better about like getting up, as soon as my first alarm goes off, um, like no matter how I feel, because you're always going to feel tired when you first wake up. Yeah. Um, and I, I have been finding that it's been helping just my general mood a little bit because it allows me to make time to where, so like normally if I hit snooze a ton, 
um, I'm still working from home, so it's not like I have to factor in commute time, but right. um, I kind of had been using that as an excuse to just like lay in bed for longer in the morning. Yeah. And I had forgotten how kind of sacred the time, the time of the morning before you actually show up to the office is because that's the time that your brain is turning on. Like you can have your breakfast. Um, so I've been trying to be intentional about like eating my breakfast um, not at my desk anymore, like drink my entire cup of coffee before I even get to my desk. So, so the first thing that I see in the morning isn't something that stresses me out. Yeah. You know, like if I, the first thing that the first action that I make in a day is opening my work email and seeing all the stuff that I now have to deal with, um, that sets a pretty poor tone for the rest of your day. Yeah. But if the first thing you do is take the time for yourself, which is just as simple as eating breakfast and drinking your coffee and, you know, doing some stretches or whatever, uh, then the whole rest of your day can reflect that. But I have like all of these, like sloth is one of them, but I have all these weird, like kind of baked in just tendencies that I always find myself battling that keep, keep me from like, I'm such an ambitious person which is strange to think that I have all of these things that I'm always like, that I have this tendency of just wanting to be super lazy at the same time. Right. You know, do you guys, do you guys have things like that or am I the only one? <laughs> sleep, sleep is a thing that can, yeah. can hold you back too. I, I mean, brother, you remember this. There was a time in my life when I thought it was perfectly normal for me to sleep like 10 to 12 hours a night. And I, and I can't even imagine, I can't even imagine doing that now. If it's, it's, you know, some people do that and, you know, some people go to work at two or three in the afternoon or like mm-hmm. maybe they have a super exhaustive job, you know, it, I might, it might be different when we get back on the road and we've got those long driving hours and set up and all that and the show and after, but I, I really can't. I've never in my life have had to do this for so long, like get up mm. at the same time. I haven't mm-hmm. have a legitimate routine because mm-hmm. um, when it's just Talbot Brothers, which was all the time before, it was just, it was up to me to make the most of this huge part of my day that I was awake, you know? and Right. I was really bad at managing it. So I will say the one thing that I feel like hopefully I bring from this unnamed thing and getting back to work at Talbot Brothers full time is this idea that, you know, I talked, I've talked to both of you about this and Jake, I remember you said, just actually do it. But I said, I feel like I will manage my time so much better because I realize now how much time during my day that I wasted that I took for granted Yeah, that now I don't have, you know, and this is everyone's, this was everyone's problem all day is like your own, your very own job can be a hindrance to Mm. life, you know, like your job can be a vice. I sometimes wonder, I know that George doesn't listen to this podcast, so I could say it, but I wonder sometimes <laughs> if, if if the job could, could be a vice for him. Because Interesting. 
it's such a weird thing. Some, you know, whereas I'm worried about, I don't want to watch too much Netflix or play video games for too long. You know, he, his thing might be, I just, I just want to go to work. And when I'm not working, the guy had to go home for COVID for two weeks and he worked in his, he mm. redid his entire kitchen. Yeah. We floored it. And like, he's just one of those guys. And that's how my dad is, man. I, I don't understand that. I think that's a generational thing. Is that bad you know, though? I think it depends on who you are. You yeah. Know, like I think some people, some people always have to be moving and doing something because if they don't, like they can't just like chill, you know? Do but you the, get rest is an important question. Do I or do they? Does that person? Oh, yeah. I mean, just when they're sleeping. Yeah, you know? <laughs> that's and what I, th- I, think. I think. I think I think there's a pretty big difference between like sleeping and recharging. Yeah. Like sleeping, sleeping is like the physical recharge, but I think like the emotional and mental recharge is something that is kind of undervalued, especially, I mean, in, in past generations, I think that's true. And I don't know if it's because our generation is soft or we're just more, um, you know, uh, self-aware or have the yeah. luxury of being able to be more self-aware about things like this. But right. um, I think like the emotional thing and the mental recharge is a lot more important, not more important, but is more important than, uh, you know, other people or previous generations may have realized. Um, I think because so I think, too. I think you can totally burn out and you can be getting all the, all the sleep that you need and do it, you know, eating well or whatever. But if your head's not there, if you're not spiritually like fed, like I, I don't know how regularly that needs to happen, but just at some point, mm-hmm. like I feel like the, just the quality of your work um, really, really suffers. And unless you're doing something super mindless, um, it's, uh, I feel like people are going to be able to tell, like I've had managers force people to take time off. Like one of yeah. my friends from work, um, just like works too much and they have noticed that in him and like forced him to take a bunch of time off because yeah. even though he's like physically rested, his brain is not where it needs to be sometimes because he's just so burnt out. But like you said, I think, I don't know, some people, their work is, is a hindrance because, or it's a vice or, you know, it's holding them back in some way. Um, maybe because they're so focused on professional success, but they don't realize how that's holding them back personally. And I think a lot of people see the other way around where, um, they're so concerned about like personal well-being that they don't realize how it's affecting them professionally. I think there's one of us that is the former that you were just talking about. Which was? <laughs> uh, the one that work is a vice and all oh, the other things tend to who suffer. Would, who would that be? It's the quiet one. <laughs> the quiet, mysterious guitar player. To my left, it's, t- it's totally a vice for me, man. I, <laughs> I'm that guy who can't sit still, and on a on a weekend or whatever you define that as, I find something to do, mm. and it takes a lot for me to slow down and just sit and do nothing. Uh, and Jake, you even talked about like 
the difference between sleeping and getting recharged. I, I feel like for me, a lot of times it's doing something active, but in the past I've really struggled with trying to make that something healthy and like an outlet mm-hmm. versus, oh, you know, there's more work to do. I should just do it. Or right. making a to-do list that's impossible to ever finish in a day. Just continuing mm-hmm. to work through stuff and to work on stuff to maybe stay busy. Um, I think part mm-hmm. of it comes from like distracting yourself from from other issues or from like maybe slowing down would force you to kind of turn inward and actually deal with some of the shit and working and and staying really busy can occupy your brain so you don't necessarily have to do that but you use it as an excuse that you're being um you're doing something worthwhile like you're being uh whatever Mm. the word is uh like it's benefiting the overall for the greater good yeah just a feeling of importance general importance right do you think that comes from like a place of arrogance or like yeah I think so. Because the times, the times in my life where I feel that way, where I feel like I just need to, because I definitely used to be, when I was in college, I was a lot that way. Like always trying to find more things I could do. And even at the very beginning of my professional career, like I felt a lot of guilt around like not working more than 40 hours or, you know, not putting in extra time or not finding extra things I could do. But then I think for me, I realized that it was from coming from this place of being able to tell people how much I did mm. and not really like, not really the the product of the work, but people like noticing that I was doing the work that was most attractive to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we want people to know that we work really hard. And I think it's, as a musician, I can say, especially I... I want people to know that I'm not just drinking whiskey and writing songs and touring. Mm. I, I remember this one time after we played this, it was a couple years back, we played a college. It was actually a really funny story because um, Nick and I used to be with this group that had a few artists, well, probably like 10 artists under their their name. and. Um, in order to be a part of this group, you have to go play this sort of convention where all the quote unquote talent buyers from the colleges, which are people uh, that are like 20, right? 20 years old that set up, you know, like when, uh, you know, Mac Miller would, would have come to your, your college back in right. 2011 or whatever. It's like, um, those people, they all come together. It's like a, a three or four day thing. I can't remember, but they all sit in an auditorium every day. And all they do is just watch all these bands, basically like America's got talent it out Mm. and -hmm. play some songs. And so it's a showcase is what they call it. So Nick and I, you get up and you basically play like three songs. Well, so all the other artists, uh, Oh man, I'm going to forget where I was going with this, but there was like, I'll just tell the story. All the other artists um, had this kind of like mashup that they had made. Yeah. And uh, it was like, they would go from like a Taylor Swift song into like a Justin Bieber song 
into an Ariana Grande song and it flowed perfectly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Nick and I, like we had never done it and I, and I seriously felt like we were the oldest ones there. But yeah, uh, we got up there and played like three full songs, like just, <laughs> yeah. and I did my thing like in between. Mm, like you did, a, you did like a show. I did a show. I did a yeah. tiny show and I like yeah. did my jokes and like <laughs> they bought it though. They yeah. bought it, you know? Anyway. Okay. I remember where I was going with it. Anyway, we got booked for this, this dance, but but the the college could only afford the duo, mm. but they really wanted us to do it. And we were mm-hmm. like, hey, just so you know, like the duo is not akin to like your dance. Right. You know, th- this is like the duo is like you sit down with a drink and you just get the stories. You know, Jake, yeah. both of you know, it's a very different thing. So we told them that, but they're like, no, 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 we want it. We want it. Well, there's like all these kids show up in like their dresses uh, and their suits in this big dance hall. Uh, and to top it off, okay, I had just gotten in my motorcycle accident three mm, days before, and mm-hmm. my hand was completely wrapped and <laughs> and swollen yeah. just like around the bandage. And so we we played the show and whatever. They liked it, but they weren't like dancing you know they were just like standing and talking and like jimmy wasn't gonna go talk to heather because he was nervous like you could see it all anyway we're packing out and the kid this kid was out back you know it was back when we had the van the this the uh goldie goldie you know the chevy van right and he was like man he's like you're just living the dream aren't you and i was like (laughs) No, I don't re- I don't really think so, you know, but mm. but I told him like, man, I love it, you know, I love this and we love playing for you guys. This was so fun and you know, I wish we would have had a band with us so we could have mm. like a dance or something. Right. And uh I I seriously felt like Marty McFly like your your grandparents are going to love this. Is kind of what I was thinking like compared to these kids, but but mm. it was just weird because it was like the first time that someone had said that to me in the midst of me feeling like, what the hell am I doing? Mm. You know? And and I always, I I wanted people, I, I like wanted to spend 20 minutes with this kid telling him, hey man, it's not just we rolled this. in, right. played this, and we're going to Denny's, and then we're going to go to the hotel. It's like, <laughs> yeah. there's so much more to this. And I think that's why, where we kind of fail when we have a stage or a platform to tell people. I think we kind of fail in telling them. It's not always like an overnight YouTube sensation. It's right. sometimes you're your whole team for mm. years you know, which was, right. was basically us. And, and I can say there was tons of stuff, especially early on when, when I don't know if we were, or if I was fully convinced that this is what we were going to do forever, because it just seemed like too good to be true, you know? Right. Um, I think there's know, always an element though, of like, what the hell am I doing? Even yeah. playing bigger shows and like, assembling a team and actually going out and having like a crew and you 
look around and you're like the theater is full and there's still that moment of like you look at yourself in the mirror and and kind of doubt and it's ridiculous that that can happen at like every stage but Mm. I wonder if that comes from also a place of not being content and like having that sort of expectation for yourself or feeling the expectations from other people and like never really never really just like stepping back and looking at it and be like this is good like I want to enjoy this I'm just going to be in the moment and I think it's hard to do that when you're constantly building something or you you feel like you're not where you want to be yet but then to keep yourself in check I think it takes people around you and it takes those moments where you have to step back and you have to say like this is good I should just you know like how many shows have we played together where it's been the opposite it's been like oh man this isn't you know like yeah we you know we had done better or we this part was shit or we could have done this and done that and then you get on stage at a different show and like we're all sitting there and we're just grateful to be there but there's still like a part of you that's like it's just still not good enough for some reason Mm. and it's like you can't ever find that rest or that like contentment in accepting something to be just good and I wonder if like I'm interested to know your guys' thoughts on that if it's just a place of like being human and desiring more all the time or if it's from a place of like like is that a vice is that like a thing that we have inside of everybody no matter what job it is or where you're at do you always have that sort of like longing or desire to do more or like the grass is always greener because I feel like I don't know like some people don't appear to have it all the time and I wouldn't say I have it all the time, but the majority of the time I'm always like, what the hell am I doing? I could do better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude, that that consumes me more often than not. I think that's one of my biggest distractions in life is it's kind of ironic because I'm always thinking about what is next and like what is the next level. But in a way, that thinking keeps me from getting there because all I'm thinking about is that is like what does it look like but I'm not focusing on the task at hand or I'm not focusing on you know just enjoying what's what's happening or even having the wherewithal to like um, recognize an opportunity in front of me because I'm so fixated on this like other thing Mm -hmm. so yeah I mean I find myself constantly distracted by just like not being content or um, always wanting, always wondering if something is better, if the grass is greener on, on the other side. I don't know if that's like, I don't really know where that comes from because I I agree with you. Like it seems like some people never feel that way. And Mm -hmm. it is so frustrating to me when I, when someone can't empathize with that, that feeling where they just are so content and they're happy and you know, they're not worried about like, they're not always scheming about the next level of life. They're fine just where they are. There's like a part Mm -hmm. of me that is always, that's like jealous of that because they're just chilled. They're cool. They're, they're doing what they need to do. And they're, those people are usually really pretty good at their job because they can Mm -hmm. focus on the thing that they're doing. So yeah, I think it's, it's this weird, like 
it's this weird counterproductive thing that seems like it would be productive. Yeah, and I feel like some people, like you said, they do have that sort of just like freedom to just do what they do. And then part of me looks at that and I'm like, it looks like wasted potential because I feel like couldn't they dream of more and couldn't they do something different? And then I'm like, wait a sec, what's wrong with me? Like that's, if that's what they love and that's what they're passionate about or that's just where they are in life, like why who made it my job? Like, why do I think I'm entitled? (laughs) And then I get like that egotism and like that arrogance starts to get in the Mm. way of me feeling like I somehow am entitled to like know and be the one to call the shots. But really I'm just another guy that's trying to figure it out. Yeah. Well, you do get to play the guitar solos, so that makes you pretty important. (laughs) At least that's what they tell me. That's that's your guys' way of making me feel like I feel important. Yeah. Placebo. Somebody's got to do it. Yeah. I'm not good enough at guitar. Let's let him play guitar here. He'll shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how did Works. we decide who was going to, who was going to, just kind of fell into who was going to be the guitar player and who was going to be the singer, right? We never talked about it. You guys no, didn't I think have auditions <laughs> for each other. Brother auditions. <laughs> Hi, my we name's Tyler. I'm auditioning for the role of lead singer. <laughs> Nick's sitting with a clipboard in your bedroom. <laughs> we used to have auditions when we were in high school. Yeah, we did. I auditioned did, for your band. Yeah. Is that, did we call it that? In a garage. I don't know that we called it that. I think we usually what happens is you say, hey, you want to come jam? And that is like code for... Yeah. auditioning to sell your soul to us for the rest of your life. <laughs> Do you ever what, feel like happened. you it's can true. see in people what they're going to be or what they want themselves to be? And so that person kind of gets the chance over the Harvard grad type mm. thing. You know how like I mean? Like heart Do, goes yeah. further than talent. Do you, do you guys, am I just a sucker for, like, Jake, I feel like we totally just tick you on heart because you were, like, a good drummer, <laughs> but you weren't, like, the best drummer I had ever seen. I'm and still I, not the best drummer you've ever seen. Maybe not, but I could tell that you wanted to be, and I could mm. tell that that you could get there if you had the time to do it. That's, and so, that's mm-hmm. how I got into the band. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of heart, not a lot of talent. Mm-hmm. Three guys, I mean, not a lot of talent. <laughs> sometimes I kind of feel like the three of us are an assembly of guys that believe in each other and have like the wherewithal to get good, you know? Mm. Where I don't think you can you know, teach heart. I think you can teach ability and like fundamentals and you can always practice to improve but i don't think you can teach somebody how to be passionate about something i think that's something they just either have or they don't yeah we've played with a lot of really talented lazy guys and they frustrate me i mean there's some there's just something like unforgivable about apathy to me like someone who's really smart or really talented but they're super apathetic like I can't be around people like that. Yeah. On the flip side of that coin, it's super obnoxious to be around people that are so passionate but suck at it because yeah. 
It's just like, <laughs> what, what do you, are you fa- trying to fake it? What are you doing? So there has to be a little bit of both, right? Like, I feel <laughs> like we've all, I feel like every, if you're into music, you will meet people on both sides of the spectrum. Like the people that are super passionate and like kind of kiss ass in a way, but they're really, really bad. And, but they're so passionate that they think that they, that's all they need is the passion. Mm. Um, but then there's some yeah. people who are just really, really killer and they think that that's all they need. So they don't think they have to care. And I feel like we talked about this a couple weeks ago, I think, um, about how we, we were talking about how you can tell the difference between like studio musicians and like live musicians, how there's just yep. like a difference in energy. I feel like there's the same thing if you're watching a musician that's like apathetic versus really excited about it. I, I don't know if it translates to like rhythm or, or tone or like what the, the carryover is, but there's just some, you can always tell there's just something missing. Yeah. We all suck oh, just enough, but we're all just passionate <laughs> enough to be in this. Yeah. <laughs> to be a good time. <laughs> well, I was talking to Chelsea about this the other day. I, I feel like I've always been the showman in my mind of even when I was a kid, you know, Nick can attest to this. I would, I was the one that was standing up at the dinner table and like telling a story and you can say that maybe that has helped now and maybe for my job, that's a good thing. Right. But I think the problem is I have not always done a good job of like turning that off. Mm. So I, I wonder if when people see me on stage, do they view me as the, they don't view me as apathetic, do they? Apathetic? No, I don't think so. I don't think you seem I don't apathetic th- on stage. Okay, good. I want to seem 100% like this is what I want and, and that I, uh, I'm so pedal to the metal with it when I'm on stage. And um, I think what happens sometimes, it kind of makes people think that I want to be that way when I get off the stage too. Like I want to be the one that goes over to the bar and like gets up on it and takes shots with everybody, but I'm really, <laughs> right. I'm I'm really not that way. You're and done doing your job, yeah. Yeah, it's like at the dinner table and I would tell my story. I had a good time, but then, but then it was like almost when I realized that everybody was watching me, I was like, oh crap, you know, like okay, I'm done. Yeah, yeah. And and I always wonder, I always wonder that kind of like the appearance of the musician on stage, like when they look at. You know, I th- I would say that Nick is a is a quiet and you are a quiet and reserved person most of the time. But like we know the other side of you where you're not necessarily that way all the time. You know, get up on the bar and take shots. Yeah, yeah. You've <laughs> only seen him one. do it once, but it was the best day of my life. <laughs> yeah, I always wonder. You know, pe- people like to watch shows too and like characterize. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think they like to put you into like a personality box mm-hmm. and like find a way to. So I always wonder that, like, you know, when we play with you, Jake, most of the time, I wonder how they view our dynamic and, you know. Oh, I wonder that all the time. Do they see Jake and think like, this guy is. The asshole. Because I don't, I don't look at. <laughs> I don't look at you all the time, but I'd have to imagine that when you're playing drums, you're kind of like. I usually have my eyes closed. Oh. 
So usually I, I thought I, you'd be zoned in. Usually eyes closed looking down because I'm concentrating. Yeah. And I feel like I do weird things with my face, my, with my face, the one face that I have. So, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> the RBF. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know why. Face. Like, I always just assume that people assume that I'm the asshole of the group because, like, I am not the one that goes out in front of, like, to talk to people. Like, that yeah. is my least favorite thing to do. It's not because I don't want to talk to people. It's just, it's this weird, like, it's, yeah. it's too close to the end of the show for me to switch brain gears to go out and then be uh, social. Like I like to maintain the air of mystery of like that is yeah. a show kind of like the performance of it all. I've always um, thought you guys do a good job at it. And honestly, one of my favorite things that shows is when you guys like when the band goes out and talks to people with me because I feel like. I've been running my mouth for like two hours. So it's really nice to have you guys get in there and do that. And then I can slip away a little bit earlier. Like I know you guys have probably noticed, like when you look around after you've been out there for an hour, I'm usually the the first person missing, you know, because it's like, (laughs) yeah, I, I need just like 20 minutes in the green room or whatever, where I can just say, what the hell were you saying up there? You know, just like work through my stuff. Right. It's interesting what you said where you're concentrating. I would almost say that I'm doing the opposite. Like I'm trying not to concentrate. And Nick and I have talked about this a lot of times where there's just you're as the person with a microphone, you're you're reading the room constantly. Right. Because you have to know what they're liking. And what they're not liking, and I know that in the band, Jake, probably it's frustrating sometimes when I'm like, "We're not playing stay" or whatever, <laughs> and you're like, "Well, that was on the set list, right?" But I get this feeling of like, yeah. the slow song is just not going to go over well tonight, or yeah. or we need to play a couple more high energy tunes before we get into the slow one, and it's it's I'm not zeroing in on certain people, and and I were. Technically, I wear glasses and contacts. Mm-hmm. I'm not right now, and I don't during the show. So actually, when I'm looking out at the crowd, it, it kind of like fuzzes out a little bit. Right. So I am, I am focusing actually my eyesight on like certain groups of people, and like sometimes I'll pick out that group of like five people where they're just like being dicks and they don't even want to be there, but they got a ticket because <laughs> right. they want yeah. something to do. And so I get off them immediately because I don't care, and then I'll see like that group of like twenty that's front middle, and it's like, what are they responding to? Are they like, are they soup? Are they enjoying this right now? Mm-hmm. And if they're super into this high energy song, and we've only done one of them. I think let's hit them again, you know, like yeah. get them, get them to stay there. And and then we like earn their trust to go down to a song like stay mm-hmm. where they're, they're ready to step back and like kiss the right. boyfriend or whatever, you know, like they, <laughs> sure. they want that too, but it's, you've it's, always uh, been good at that though. I feel like that takes a certain amount of shows and a certain amount of time to hone in on it. But you've, you've always been really good about reading the room pretty quick and kind of giving an assessment and I think I used to fight that like early on I'd be like no man this is a set this is what we're doing yeah and especially if there's five of us on stage it yeah, was like everyone's counting on the, 
to change it up last minute. Yeah, it's it's harder. But I notice like when we do acoustic shows, it's just the two of us. It's like there's something about having that ability in that setting that really it actually helps because there's so many shows that I feel like we kind of like weaved our way through and saved because of that. Yeah. Rather than like saying this is the regimen, this is like methodical, no matter what happens, we're playing this song. And mm. or people yell out a request, you know, something like I that. I hate that. <laughs> everybody that's listening right now is now never gonna yell at Ty, Ty always says, Oh yeah, yeah, we'll play that later and then we just never play it. Yeah. Well, I just count I count on people drinking enough that they'll forget. Right. You know, but I some, think you count on me forget. drinking enough that I forget. <laughs> well, like the big thing that has been happening. I think for the last couple of years is every single show. I can't count one show on that tour, Jake, that we did with you guys. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we did a duo tour right before that, that there wasn't a happy birthday request. Oh, jeez. You you remember, it was like every night. Well, that one night in Hastings, there was was four in a row. (laughs) And it was just, there's people are starting to be like, it's my birthday next week. It's her birthday next month, but you're not going to be here. It's like, all right. If you're if you're not born today, it doesn't count. Just relax. Yeah. That's always you know, that's my favorite thing about playing with you, Nick, is that I feel like you're you've always been like like my right hand man, though I say my left hand man because you're on my left when we play, but you always have like been slipping me notes that people write, or you'll come up and grab me and and say, hey, you need to say this or this or this, like, or there's a sponsor or something that you need to, you know, and you, you, while I'm trying to like read the room, you are keeping all the facts straight, you know, <laughs> and you, you know, if people have seen our set list in the last couple years, um, on my own, I write up in the top right, I write the venue name, uh, who was responsible for getting us there if it wasn't a theater or something that we put on yeah. ourselves, and then the opener, mm-hmm. because uh, I will tell you specifically, <laughs> there was this one time we were playing in Chicago. This uh, this is why I started doing it. Yeah. We were playing in Chicago, and this girl opened for us who was very, very good. All on her own, very talented, electric guitar singer, you know, just kind of like rock, rocky singer songwriter. Mm-hmm. Very good. But her dad was famous. Oh. Um, and so, so going into that, you know, like for her, if I was her, you're thinking, I want to make it on my own merit, you know, like it, it, during her show, she didn't talk about him at all. Right. You know, it, everyone there, was just listening to her as, as an artist, you know, like mm. she wanted to be known at, and she's young. She wanted to be known as herself. Right. On her merit. Um, I said her name wrong. And, and I, and I, I just felt this thing in the room where it felt like everyone was thinking the same thing. Like mm-hmm. you dick, <laughs> this is not the girl that you want to say her name wrong, her, right. her first name, you know, because it's it's for her. It's a 
whatever. That, I that is said her identity, like the only defining oh. thing is her first name because she's known by after, her last name. Yeah. Yeah. We had a couple friends at that show and like it, even after the show, they're like, yo, like you said her name wrong. And I was like, I was really close. Like if you if you said it, I quickly, said Heather. Yeah, but it's Samantha. Ah, that's pretty close. <laughs> exactly. No, it was really close. Uh, I'm not. I'm not gonna say the name, but um, so, so I said like on stage, like that's what I said, and everyone was like, "No, you didn't." And I was like, "Oh God." You also anyway. t- you also tend to think that you're closer than you actually are on. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to say the names because you you two would be like, okay, yeah, I get it. That's when yeah. I start playing D- guitar, DMs. like right after. I like DMs. to start into this instrumental <laughs> Nick, piece. Nick looks at me. I remember looking at him, and he was just like, <laughs> "Just looked at." Because anyway, can't, since you can't that, correct it. Yeah, no, can't. right, dude. That's the thing too. Is like you don't correct each other on stage. You just that's, let it be. That's what I love about Nick is he doesn't get on the mic and go, "Hey, well, actually, you said that wrong." Yeah, he he'd just shoot me that look like. Nah, you messed up. Yeah, but move on. But well, since then, I I write it. I I have to have that like, like third to last song or whatever. I can look at that little square that I have up there, cover all my bases, mm. and then you thank the opener. You think you know? I this might make it sound disingenuous, but it's important to me that those people get recognition. It's just that with everything that's going on. Right. Well, and, yeah. you it, know, you're 150 shows a year. It's a little bit uh scrambled. Yeah, a lot of stuff to remember on top of, like, the words and right. the notes. And well, that's the, why I the keep my eyes closed is, so I can remember. <laughs> I can remember for you the way the song goes. I will also say this. This is just, like, a side note. Um, just while we're going over the ins and outs of a show, uh, we are no longer signing body parts. For people Ugh. at shows, man. Because um, one time, one time I signed an arm, and I got in trouble uh, from the girl's boyfriend. Yeah, dude. Which it's I a didn't. Uh, dangerous game. So we're not doing that anymore. If Luckily, you want us to sign something, I usually ha- be- I usually ask people to sign my body parts at our shows. <laughs> Whatever, Jake. You give away drumsticks, like no, dude. After a I show, I'll go. Out, I'll go out. This is why I don't go out after a show. <laughs> Because nobody even knows who I am, so it's I'm, it's yeah. just a waste of my time. Like they don't even yeah, they, re- do. they don't even recognize me as the guy that just played drums for an hour and a half. Because all they all they see are the two hats and the sea of people, and those are you guys. Yeah, but they don't even shine so lights on me on stage. Yeah, dude. so many people have asked you for drumsticks. You should just. I mean, if you were to count how many you've given away, you'd probably have like a million dollars by now. Probably, I tend to That's always insane. give them away to kids, but I don't give them away to girls anymore. You need to buy spares or, or keep your old ones that are shot and then be like, oh, yeah, these yeah. are the ones I used. I always I always keep a set of uh, pre-worn out ones for that reason <laughs> in case there's a kid that wants them. But you ever, like have you ever thrown one out into the crowd? <laughs> no. I've never done that. I threw a bandana. <laughs> I, I threw a bandana once. Yeah. Back when I used to wear bandanas, like a super cool guy <laughs> in my forehead. <laughs> You gotta do what you gotta do. I know that guy. I've seen that guy at the gym. Man. That's not that's not you anymore. No, thank God. 
This got wildly off topic. <laughs> I don't even it remember. Was great. I don't even remember what we were talking about at the beginning, but if, hopefully we're it was just a good all ride. A, we're all just addicted to performance, to live shows, so we inevitably go there. I feel yeah. like most of the time. I do um you know, I don't want to give it away, but I do want to do an episode about like the anatomy of a show. Cuz I think oh, that'd be so fun. I think so, this is how we'll tie it back to the beginning, okay? Uh, <laughs> going back to what you said about like wanting people to know the work that goes in to things, you know, really the final product should be a reflection of all the work that you put in, but most people don't think about it that way. So I think mm-hmm. it would be interesting um, to explain like really what all goes in to it, like a full show day. Um, yeah, that would be really fun. I think there's I like a lot that. of a, a lot of stuff in there that people don't know, but save that yeah. for another day. I think just a teaser on that that could be really interesting is the fact that you know Nick and I treat the times that it's just him and I quite a bit differently than when we have you guys along. Right, and having you all along, we have always treated as a little bit of a reward for us you know <laughs> yeah like if, if we can rough it for a couple weeks um then then when you guys come we can sort of celebrate and have mm. a good time yeah I, yeah I, it's I just think terrible it really it's fun. just the two of us it's horrible <laughs> <laughs> no not i mean i just mean rough it as in like sometimes you sleep at the pilot at the at the loves at the yeah. gas station you know just to just just to like save a buck and you know that you're gonna, the old you know that the the venue is gonna provide a shower or a hotel or whatever, but right. all I'm saying is like this will be a, that will be a really fun episode all to right. go through the ins and outs. Next week Let's do it. The anatomy of a yes. show. Thank you guys yeah. for enduring this entire episode just to hear us talk about what we're gonna talk about next week. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate you all for listening to uh, episode 17 of Similar Vein Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and write a review if you haven't already. And hit us up on Instagram at Similar Vein Podcast. We're always uh, throwing out questions and um, asking you guys for ideas because uh, we eventually will run out of our own. So we'd like to rip your guys' <laughs> off and, and spin them as our own. So <laughs> Hit us up there. It's a good time. Um, until then, uh, we'll, we'll see you guys later. See you guys.